are listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. And now, bringing you the latest in science fiction movies and television shows. Here are your You're long and fucked. This is a capital. We have a little problem with our anti-sequels, so we may experience some slight turbulence and then explode. I got a bad feeling about this. Walter, put the cow away, would you? What is this place? It's a freak show. Welcome to Sci-Fi Diner Conversations. This is episode 63. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Hartzog. Oh, good evening. I'm Miles P. McLaughlin. And we are here to chat about sci-fi, to spoil things, and just have a uh, rip-roaring good time conversing about the things that interest you, our listeners, and the things that we are watching and engaged in. Mm-hmm. 63 episodes. Uh, we continue to climb here, continue to have some great conversations with you guys. And some of the people that are making that happen are Mr. Arrowwood himself oh, yeah. and Mr. Taylor. These guys have helped sponsor this show tonight. Thank you so much. If you want to find out more about how you can help, visit the sci-fi diner podcast.com site. And we would love and one of the other ways you can help is just by contributing to the discussion. Yeah, we definitely want to you know, that's that's what this is all about. Is that, um, that's really the easiest mm-hmm. thing is to just, you know, post on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, email us to the sci-fi diner podcast at gmail.com. I can remember the address, mm-hmm. uh, you know, call in at one 508 and engage in the conversation about what shows you're watching, what books you're reading, your thoughts about some of the issues and conversations we're having. Uh, you know, this and, is, this is good. And rec- maybe recommend something to us. I mean, uh, we've, we've discovered some things because of you guys. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and so thank you so much for helping make this show what it is. Mm-hmm. Well, Miles, we always start out by talking about what we're watching and what we're into. Mm-hmm. And rumor has it that, that you're leaving the podcast to go to another podcast. <laughs> um, I just, uh, for at least one episode and, and maybe probably some in the future, uh, I joined the uh, Delta Quadrant, uh, for a podcast. They, they reviewed it. So it's sad to see you go. But I came back. Okay. Um, they reviewed the second season episode of Deadlock. It's one of my favorites. And they were kind enough to uh, – they have an open um, open door invitation policy. If, if if you're a listener and if you want to you know, join in, if, if, if it's not full, um, they, they, they invite the listeners to uh, join them for a podcast, which is great. So, That's awesome. Yeah. So Kind of like what we do with the stuff everyone. Right. And so – um, so we reviewed Deadlock. I had a great time with them. Fantastic group of people. Uh, they have a really good podcast. If you like Star Trek Voyager, this is the best Star Trek Voyager podcast out there. Very good. And we'll put a link of that. I have a link here in my show notes, whether it makes it to the actual show notes. We'll see. Because mm-hmm. typically my show notes for the listener feedback episode is a bit uh, sparse. But. but if you're on our Facebook page, um, I put a link in, in there too. Yeah, so well worth it. So, mm-hmm. so that's one of the things that's happening in your sci-fi world. Yeah, I'm still enjoying um, Falling Skies and Warehouse 13. Although Falling Skies is uh, it has its had its season finale this past Sunday. Right, we're going to talk about that mm-hmm. um, in just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Even though I haven't seen it, but I'm fine because this is the show where we we spoil, we spoil, Ooh. and uh, I'm totally out with being spoiled. I I, I almost forgot. Um, 
my wife and I on, on her birthday saw um, The Dark Knight Rises. Um, well, I don't think anyone's talking about that tonight, so let's talk about Dark Knight Rises. Okay. Um, all, all I got to say is if you go see this, if you haven't seen the movie yet, make sure you use the bathroom before you go see it because it's a long movie. Two, yeah. hour, two hours and 45 minutes. Either that or you need that Run P app. Oh, yes, have. yes. <laughs> that app one that tells you where to go pee in the movie. That, mm-hmm. I think that's, I think you need that, Miles. That, yeah, that, that would be helpful. But uh, I managed to sit through the whole thing, and uh, it, it was phenomenal. It was, uh, it, you know, just, it, you know, it, it, it definitely, you know, fulfilled and, and, and surpassed my expectations. And sad that this is going to be the last Batman movie. And this is, this is public knowledge, so I'm not, you know, giving away spoilers that, uh, Christopher Nolan's going to direct, and that um, Christian Bale is going to be, and they 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 both said they you know this is our last one. So, but if it, but they, I think they ended it well for this series. Now we know Batman will come back eventually. Uh, it's just too much of a cash cow for Hollywood. But oh yeah, in fact, I think they've talked about that already. That, that that's right. going to happen. But uh, fantastic. Uh, did see Chris Judge, and he had a bit role in there. That's right. I forgot that he was in there. So I was like, I was waiting to see where 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 where's uh, Chris Judge at, and we you know I, I where's Chris Judge. So so we, we I did see him in there. So no, uh, love love the Batman movie. I'll probably see it, maybe I'll see it again when it goes to the cheap theater. But uh, it was it was good. It was very good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, in my sci-fi world, I am still watching Warehouse Thirteen. I'm caught up with Warehouse Thirteen. Mm-hmm. We, I think we might even talk. Are we talking? I don't think we're talking about. We'll mention it, okay. but uh, a little bit later on. But Warehouse Thirteen and watching caught up, except for the most recent episode that came out last night. Mm-hmm. Caught it with Alphas. I know you aren't watching it. I don't think it's in our show notes, but Alphas is absolutely great. I'm downloading last night's episode. I have not watched it yet, but I am really enjoying the show. It has to be one of the best shows that Sci-Fi has out. Um, if they continue to give Alphas like this. I'm going to continue to watch. It is better than Heroes ever was mm-hmm. and has a little bit more direction than Tim Kring ever had. And I love Tim Kring's first season of Heroes was awesome. Okay. Um, uh, you watched Heroes, right? I did watch yeah, Heroes. So the first season was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is just a good show. Mm-hmm. you got to watch it. You're saying, mm-hmm. yeah, I'll watch it as soon as you watch Big Bang Theory. That's uh, – <laughs> maybe we can make a deal. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, listeners. we got to get Scott to watch Big Bang now Theory. I know Colin and you teaming up against me. That's right. Ganging up. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, so that is happening. And I am, of course, watching Falling Skies, although I am quite a few episodes behind. I did not watch the finale yet. Mm-hmm. But we're going to talk about it anyways because you did watch and we do need right. a – we do need it today. Um, are you reading anything, Miles? Yeah, I uh, picked up a new um, a Stargate Atlantis novel recently. Um, I want to I just want to get my Stargate fixed now that now that I've watched it all. Um, I, I, I finished my universe uh, rewatch, but um, so I picked up uh, Stargate Atlantis uh, Halcyon, written by James Swallow, and um, I'm about maybe a third of the way through it so far, and I'm, I'm enjoying that. Yeah, uh, James Swallow also has written some Star Trek novels, and so. Um, I, I found some of the Stargate novels. Some of them, some of them are fantastic, but some of them, I, I just don't think, think the writers are know the show that well. So they've kind of been hired on because they're writers, but they just tell they, maybe they never watched it. Right. I don't know if they're fans. It's like at least with the Star Trek novels, the writers are definitely Star Trek fans, and so um, so so, so I, I did some checking around. I checked the the reviews on Amazon, and this got a lot of favorable reviews, and so I did, so I picked up a copy of this. 
Very good. And I just downloaded The Wards of Fairy by Terry Brooks. Just came out today. I cannot wait to get my hands and actually read it. When I say reading it, I'll be listening to it as I run. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and so uh, it, it's great running companion. I'll be driving in my car. It'll be a great audio book to listen to. Oh, good. But, uh, been, I've been a huge – this plays into the Sora Shinar series. And listeners, I don't know. I, I've never gotten a lot of feedback from you guys out there as to whether you read or even like the Sora Shinar series by Terry, Terry Brooks. But to me, this is like – for me, like reading Lord of the Rings. I am a huge Lord of the Rings fan. And if you were to give me the second fantasy series that I absolutely love, it would be Sword of Shinar followed by the Game of Thrones series. That would be the order. Those would be my top three fantasy series. Mm-hmm. Um, so it would rank higher than Game of Thrones for me mm-hmm. just because I've invested so much in that world and absolutely love the way Terry Brooke writes. So this is the latest installment of that. I cannot wait to begin reading this. Hmm. Right. And in my sci-fi world, something else is happening is I just downloaded a new app. I got to talk about this app. Oh, yes. And I have actually a uh, trailer for it, right? So this is an app called – some of you don't know this. We've talked about my treadmill movies, right, Miles? Oh, yeah, many times. So, um, but I have transitioned from treadmill running to running outside. Um, so what that has done is it's cut down on my my movie view watching because right. I can't – it's not very safe to hold my iPad up and start running down the road with it. Right. <laughs> you know, a funny image but totally dangerous. Um, you might break your iPad. I, I probably would. But I am training. I'm, I'm doing my first 5K in a couple of weeks. I'm going to do, be doing a half marathon the end of uh, uh, September and I signed up for my first marathon. You're crazy. <laughs> I am not. I'm not. But, you know, one of the good training tools they have out there that's actually sci-fi related is an app called Zombies Run. So let me just play the trailer for it. So a little bit of fitness here, but it's sci-fi related. And, hey, all of us sci-fi geeks need to get out there and do some exercise, right? It's not bad for us and uh, it won't kill us unless we get caught by zombies, right? Zombies Run is about running and about zombies. Raise the gates. Run a five, you ready? You're in a post-apocalyptic world and you are being chased uh, by zombies. You're trying to build up the city that you live in, trying to collect supplies, help people out. There may be something dark and sinister going on other than the zombies. You basically... Put your headphones in, you go and press run, and when you're running, you go and hear instructions, you go and hear the story through your headphones. This should be a real easy one, Rutherford. Just a regular med supply run to the hospital out to the west. Run safe, okay? So we're in a zombie apocalypse. We all know how that plays out. You're going to be chased by fiends reaching for your brains. But there are bigger questions out there. How did this happen? Does someone know more than they're telling? Are you going to be able to find out the truth? The game's got two parts. first part is when you're out on a mission and you're collecting items and you're collecting important things on the base. Then when you get back home and you finish your run, what you do is you get to go and assign those items to different parts of the base to help it grow. And by helping the base grow, you get more and more people living in your base and you get more access to different kinds of missions and different parts of the story. Hang on. There's something on the scanner. Run a five. Run a five. Can you hear me? 
It's Major DeSanto. I know we said we were clear, but they're coming. Ten of them, heading for your position. Run! There are games out there which will, which, which kind of put zombies in your path as you're running. There are apps out there which um, will calculate how fast you're running or how far. But there's nothing out there that's got a real story where you find out more about what's going on every time you go out running. We need your help to make this game into the best game it can possibly be. Adrian and I both work on contract projects. We work on products for clients. But this is something we really want to make for ourselves because we think it's going to be incredible. We really want your help to sort of come up with the best ideas for how we can make the missions and how we can make the game into a really fun, really engaging experience. We really need that pot of money just to start off with so we can make this incredible and we promise to use every single penny and make it count. We're nearly there. Come on, run a flight. We're nearly home. Welcome home, Runner 5. All right. So what they've done is they combine the fact that there's these apps to track your running, your pace, how far you're going, and they created a story with it mm-hmm. and a game. So it's, it's a game where you're actually out in the street, you're running, but there's a game element to it. It sounds like it makes running more fun. It would be uh, because there's nothing like suddenly you're being chased by zombies. Yeah, you'll pick up your pace a little bit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's just the premise where I just downloaded it and I'll report back on our next podcast about what I think of it. Mm-hmm. I heard about this on a, another podcast called Running with the Pack, uh, a running podcast, not sci-fi at all, even though the guy is a closet geek. Um, he said – but but here's the premise of the game. He says, tie your shoes, put on your headphones, take your first steps outside. You barely covered 100 yards when you hear them. They must be close. You can hear every breath, every rattling groan. They're here, zombies. The only thing you got to do is run. <laughs> and the story is your runner five, hundreds of lives are counting on you. You got to help your base rebuild from the ruins of civilization by collecting critical supplies while avoiding ro- roving zombie hordes. Can you save them and learn the truth about the zombie apocalypse? So it's kind of fun. So if you're into Walking Dead, this is a great game. And if you're a runner, this is uh, this is for you. Right, right. <laughs> and if you're not a runner, you know, even a walker can use this. You can be if you go, if you walk, mm-hmm. you can. You might have to walk a little bit faster sometimes. Right, or, or you just might be, you know, <laughs> I mean, inspired to walk faster. Yeah, there's zombies chasing you. Maybe you'll even be inspired to run. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, but anyway, I did want to share this with you. It's kind of going on in my sci-fi world. And uh, and uh, so if any of you do run or exercise and want to download it and try it out, let us know your thoughts on it. We'd love to hear that. And if any of you uh, are running the Philly Marathon, let me know. <laughs> but uh, So that's what's going on in our sci-fi world, right? Well, let's talk. We mentioned earlier about the, the Falling Skies finale. You watched it. Yes. Tell me about it. Okay, well – they this is the second part where they're in Charleston. They made it to Charleston, right? And um, haven't in the last episode they weren't able to adjust well to life in Charleston. And that the, doesn't surprise. And, me. and of course, things to come to a head. Um, the uh, what uh, T- Terry O'Quinn, I think, is the guy's name. Who? Oh yeah, from uh, Lost. And they they come they they, they come with a, a form of government. He's the majority leader. But uh, the citizens and the military aren't too happy with him. And, um, of course, the second mass says, you know, we still have to 
bring the fight to the enemy, or else they'll, you know, we're, you know, they're never going to leave Earth. And Terry Aquinas is like, you know, I don't want to endanger anybody here. Let's let's lay low. And so there's that there's a big conflict. Um, there's a there's a boy that that has been deharnessed. He sells the spikes, and he says um, he has some intel for them. There's they're they're building a weapon. Um, the, the 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 aliens are building a weapon. The ultimate weapon. And so, wanted to give intel, and um, so the bottom line is the second mass does eventually get to go there, uh, and um, with some help for, from the rebel skitters, is able to destroy it. Uh, so they bring back the rebel skitters. <clears throat> yeah, we do see red eye. I'm not going to give away everything, but um, so at the end, um, basically the second mass decides life in Charleston is just not for them. Um, they want to, you know. They, they they know what their role is. Their role is to fight the enemy and 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 drive them from the earth. And uh, so the past couple episodes really really helps to find them saying we are taking the fight to the enemy. Right. Um, so there is, there is quite an ending to this season. I figure I'm, I'm going to hold off on talking about that. I'll let you listeners. You know what I mean when I when the, the, the very end of the episode. There it, the way they leave. They, this this is definitely a cliffhanger, and so um, so there's a cliffhanger also with Hal, the oldest son. Um, looks like he might be been compromised by the enemy, um, but there's a big cliffhanger at the end. We'll just we'll just let go we'll there. Just let to, go there until you get caught up. Does the uh, does the little girl they hit in the road play into anything? Uh, no, nothing comes out of that. Okay, nothing comes out of that. Lee wrote in and said it was nice to see one of the overlords get his due. But I was kind of sad that Red Eye is gone. So they do kind of spoil that Red Eye is gone. You're right. Were you trying to keep that from me? I was trying no, to. Yeah. No, but uh, Red Eye is gone. But for the season end episode, it seemed a little slow. But a few new twists for the upcoming season, like Doc being pregnant and the new alien that just drop in. I wonder where they're going to go if they leave Charleston. I'm looking forward to seeing the next season. And thanks, guys, for turning me on to the show. Oh, good. So you're welcome, Lee. Yeah. I think we're going to hear from Jim Arrowwood. He's going to be talking about the show, but he's one episode back before Mm -hmm. the finale when he talks about it. But mm-hmm. sounds great. I'm looking forward to seeing it. Again, I have most of these downloaded to my iPad. I just haven't watched them yet. Mm-hmm. So I will get there, hopefully before September 4th. Yes. So I imagine there'll be some of our shows will be on hiatus, like Warehouse 13 will be over Labor Day. Do you think we'll have a new Warehouse 13 Labor Day? That's a good question. I, I may get a chance to get caught up. Mm-hmm. That's my guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and talking about Warehouse 13, how are you even feeling about Warehouse 13? I've been enjoying it. I, I like what they're doing. I mean, they're still going after artifacts, but as far as the the things going on with the characters, uh, it's some really good stuff um, with um, with Chloe and uh, with um, um, and, um, and and Jinx. Um, That's right. Uh, there's a lot of so deep stuff going on with them. Um, Brett Spiner back in this episode? Uh, he did not make an appearance in this last episode. But he's been in a bunch of them. And I, we, we will definitely see more. There's definitely, you know, obviously in, in the episode before last, things hit the fan between um, Oh yeah, uh, Spiner's character and with the Artie, so. Yep. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes, definitely. It'll be interesting to see. And uh... But this is definitely definitely a darker Warehouse 13 in, in the, than the first two seasons. Still humor in it, but the, just the uh, humor. Stark. Oh, yeah, it, it just... They didn't take any of the humor out. They just added the dark part of it. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Well, uh, anything else about Warehouse 13? And we aren't watching Alphas, right? You yeah. No. So we won't talk too much about Alphas tonight, except that I watched it and I'm still loving it. Mm-hmm. And Miles, you got to watch it. So. If you watch Big Bang Theory. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which will be coming back next in the next couple weeks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, well, uh, let's uh, move into uh, our, some audio feedback. And this is audio that we got from from uh, Kalis himself, Mr. Arwood. And he wrote this. Say, Greetings, gentlemen. Attaches a recording for the next available conversation show. And he discusses a couple of things. And we'll kind of break this up by subject. Um, and uh, what we'll do is we'll talk about... Um, we're going to break it up into four segments because he has four different things he talks about because it's an eight-minute uh, voicemail. So mm-hmm. uh, he starts out talking about Total Recall. Let's hear what he has to say. Hello, Sci-Fi Diner. I had the pleasure of seeing the remake of Total Recall at the theater on the Sunday of the opening weekend. I have to say that I am using the term remake very loosely here because Total Recall 2012 is only like the 1990 release in a few ways. But really, it seemed like a completely different movie in most ways. I have to admit that I walked into the theater and watched the entire film, keeping the 1990 film in mind and making comparisons along the way. My impressions of Recall 2012 was that if one were to take the 1990 film and strip it down to its basic premise, and then rebuild a totally new film around that premise, it would be a good overall description of Recall 2012. I heard that Recall 2012 was supposed to be a bit closer to the original story penned by Philip K. Dick. We can remember it for you wholesale. And it is, but only in one aspect as far as I could see in my single viewing. The 2012 version has very little to do with the planet Mars at all. Where Quaid actually goes to Mars in the 1990 film, the entirety of Recall 2012 takes place on a war-ravaged Earth. And instead of Mars, there is a large colony of people who are refugees and are basically forced to produce goods and services used by the people of Great Britain. The only time that Mars enters into the picture is when Quaid goes to the recall agency and requests he be allowed to purchase the memories of a trip to Mars as a secret agent. Recall 1990 was a film that was driven by a corporate greed plot, while Recall 2012 is more of a politically driven film with the plot of the big government exploiting the people of the colony. I really enjoyed the performances turned in by Colin Farrell as Quaid slash Hauser and Kate Beckinsale as Quaid's wife slash undercover agent. The writers rolled the two characters played by Michael Ironside and Sharon Stone in the 1990 version together in this incarnation, and I think it worked well in streamlining the movie. One aspect I was disappointed in was that the very cool scenery that the 1990 film used wasn't present in this new version, but it wouldn't have been appropriate to the plot of this film. But at the same time, the scenery that they did create for Recall 2012 was stunning in that it helped set the mood of the film, the separation between the haves and have-nots. Total Recall 2012 is a sci-fi action film, and when I say action, I am not kidding. This film has very little setup. It just starts with blinding speed that keeps going to the very end of the film. 
I had a difficult time keeping up with everything, and if I hadn't been familiar with the form of the story, I would really need to go and see Recall 2012 again just to take it all in. And I am planning to do just that as soon as it goes into our local discount house in a few weeks, as well as in intending to get it on Blu-ray when the price is reasonable. If you decide to see Recall 2012, watch for the hat-tipping that is done as homage to Recall 1990. There aren't many, but those that are familiar with the 1990 film will have no trouble spotting them. So let's talk a little bit about what he is talking about in uh, Total Recall here. Mm -hmm. He likes the movie, so much so he wants to see the sucker again and own it. He gave it some high marks, yeah. Yeah, and you know... When it, it did not really do well in the theater, and some of that may have been on the heels. Was it on the heels of Dark Knight? Yes. And so, so I think that had that not going for it, and it just didn't do well. Mm-hmm. But it's a movie that I still want to see. I'm not oh, going to see in the theaters, but I'll probably see it in DVD. And it's one that sounds interesting. And I'm interested in what the uh, sociopolitical message is. Oh, me too. Because, um, you know, again, talking about corporate greed, there's certainly a lot of that in government. You know, yep. if, you, if, you, if you really want to argue that point. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, he said the landscape paints the mood and nonstop action. This sounds like a good treadmill movie. I was amazed at the action. You know, I, when I first heard the idea of a remake of Total Recall, I was not really for it. But then I saw the trailer for it, and I thought, well, maybe I'll be a little more open-minded about it. I mean, this this, this trailer looks intense. I mean, it does. So I, I still want to see it. I don't know if I'll see it in the cheap theater or wait for rental. I'm, but, gl- I'm glad Kalis liked it. But I'm, you know, I'm glad he you know gave it a good review. Yeah, so it makes me want to see it. Yeah. Well, he weighed in on... Um, electronic versus print media. So let's hear what he has to say about that. So while I am here, I thought I would also weigh in on a few issues that seem to be recurring themes on the conversation shows over the past several weeks. First, on the paper versus electronic media issue, I would have to agree with what Scott and Miles said a few weeks ago that one is either a reader or a collector of books and comics. I consider myself primarily a reader. Therefore, I love the e-reader machines that I have. I own two Kindles. One is a Kindle Fire, the other a Kindle Touch. The Touch is for most of my reading during the daylight hours, while my Fire serves me as my nighttime reader so as not to disturb my wife while she sleeps, as well as a handy way to access the web without booting up a computer. My home is far too small for me to consider buying books on paper and then having to find a way to store them. I have never been able to throw a book in the trash. So, the electronic media way is the way to go for me. I can appreciate those who prefer the feel of an actual paper book, and I do own several. But I have so much reading to do, and it's mostly recreational now that I have completed my degree, that I couldn't imagine trying to find places to put them. On the downside, I have to say that the price of e-books is a bit out of line for my taste. Why should one pay the same price for an e-book that they would for a bound copy? It would seem to me that there would be a lot of savings in the raw materials and man-hours that go into producing a paper volume that should be passed on to those who subscribe to e-media. On that note, I have to believe that in the not-too-distant future, 
As more and more e-readers are purchased, the prices of the media will drop. Much as video cassettes did when the market started to become saturated with product, causing more competition. I am hoping that the laws of supply and demand, which seem to work in everything except for the price of gasoline, will prevail and give those of us that do use the available technology a break, while still giving the authors and publishers their just due. All right. So the, this is his thought. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, with you, Kalis, on on the um, the issue of, of print versus uh, digital. Um, I'm primarily a reader too, and, and um, you know, it's. I mean, it's kind of cool if you have a book to get the author's autograph. I mean, I'm, I'm all for that, but I, I tend to be more practical, and so this having having the Kindle for me has has just made things easier as far as getting books I want to read. Um, I have I don't have a tablet PC yet or 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 a, or a Kindle Fire. I, I have the old school Kindle, so it, it doesn't really work well with comic books. So I, I'll, I'll wait till I get something, you know, get a tablet that 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 will work with comics. Uh, um, but and and I have you know I, I don't like throwaway books either. I have a lot of my books still in storage. Uh, I'm I don't like to part with with books either. Yeah, we're sitting in a room with a ton of my books here, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking the only ones that are really really value is probably my Lord of the Rings collection. It's on the top shelf there, leather bound. Uh, Lord of the Rings. Those are books that I don't want to part with. Mm-hmm. The rest of the books, I'm okay if I have electronic copies. Mm-hmm. So of it, um, and by electronic audio is really the way that I'm consuming the media, mm-hmm. uh, and that's a little bit more expensive. That's a different. Uh, thing altogether. Yeah, but if you're, talking, is, but yeah. if you're talking about print, mm-hmm. um, certainly it's a space saver. I mean, he comments that on just let's economize our space. Let's not waste space. It, it is. It is a space saver. I mean, since I've had the my, my Kindle for the last two years. Um, I mean, how many books have you read? Oh well, <laughs> on the Kindle, um, that's a good question. I should I should count you them should up. Tally that. Yeah, but think of all the space you would use from all the books you read because we've gone through a lot of the ones that you read here in the podcast. You've talked about them, right? I mean, it would fill up a, you know a big box, maybe. Yeah, absolutely. And mm-hmm. so this does say space, and he does mention price. I agree with him about the price that right. the savings really should be passed on. And uh, I think that publishers are just kind of gouging right now. Yeah, the only th- I mean, what, what, what I save, I save time. Um, by not having to drive out to the bookstore, although I do like the bookstore experience, but it, it is a time saver. It's one less you know thing I have. You know I can invest time otherwise. Gas. I don't have you don't have to you know invest the gas to, to go to a bookstore. Um, so the, so I'm getting convenience there. But as far as saving money on newer books, uh, as far as novels, um, you're not really. I'm not really saving much money unless it's an older one. I mean, there's there's some Stargate novels I've saved some money on because. They're older and they're a couple bucks cheaper. But any new Star Trek novel, it's going to be about the same price as um, when you find the bookstore. Yeah. You know, I did want to mention, this is kind of a side comment, plays in a little bit. 
Amazon really has ruined my shopping experience. I was thinking, I was with my wife. We celebrated our 16th anniversary. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you, thank you. And we were down in Philly. And you know, one of the things I used to love about going to Philly was browsing the used CD stores mm-hmm. or browsing the used bookstores for old sci-fi books. Mm-hmm. And I would walk up to them. I'd look at them. Even the comic book stores like Atomic Comics. The time, you know, I, I would go there. I'd look and i I kind of stared at it and said, if I really want to buy something, I can get it cheaper on Amazon mm. because I buy a lot of my stuff used. I don't mm. buy new books. So like I want to buy a paper copy of something. I'll buy it for a dollar. They'll ship it to me you know, for three bucks and it's you know, sometimes even free and it's just cheaper than I can get it in the store. And so Amazon's kind of ruined the whole buying and shopping experience for me in some ways. And I'm looking at it as a cost-saving thing. Yeah, I don't know. I, I wouldn't use the word ruin. I mean, it's, it's changed it radically. Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. And I, I enjoy shopping for books, but mm-hmm. I just don't enjoy going to a bookstore to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm trying – the last – I don't know when the last time I was at uh, our closest Barnes & Noble. It's been a while. I, I just haven't had any need to really. No. Mm-hmm. But see, uh, there's a reason why Barnes & Noble probably is getting a lot of their success through the Nook. They they were smart. We've talked about this before, but they were smart to change with the times that – Borders wasn't and uh, – uh, Borders paid the price for it. Yeah, yeah. They, and I'm not sure that Barnes & Noble won't. Yeah, unless Barnes & Noble – Adapts. Adapts yeah. more. I don't, I don't know. I mean I would assume – I would be curious how well they're doing with their electronic, uh, making yeah. their books available electronically. If anyone knows, you can contribute to this discussion. Yes, on yes. It. Yeah, yeah. Well, Kalis does go on. Let's go back to Kalis because it's really not about us, about Kalis. Kalis is talking, uh, he moves on to talk a little bit about the whole Star Trek, uh, the next generation on Blu ray. I would also like to discuss the issue of whether to get Star Trek, the next generation on Blu ray. Or just leave it be. I currently own all of the Star Trek series on DVD, except for the original series, which I do have on Blu-ray. At first, I was excited to learn that Next Generation was being released on Blu-ray and was gearing up to get it, and then look forward to buying the rest of them as they came out. But Scott and Miles kind of talked me out of it just by using a logical argument. The question is, why? Why, if I already own all of the series on DVD, would I want to pay all of that money to get it all over again? As our intelligent hosts pointed out, the stories will all be the same. So what if they tweak the special effects? That is not why I watch Star Trek. I watch it because of the relationship I have with the characters on the show. They are people that I truly can care about, and I enjoy watching them become part of the stories that make up what is the best in Trek for me. I got the original series on Blu-ray because I wanted to see the updated special effects, and I'm not regretting that decision at all. But I think that the more recent incarnations of Trek have good enough special effects to effectively carry the stories and provide an environment for the characters that I so much appreciate. So, I am sorry, CBS and Paramount. I will not be purchasing any more Trek on Blu-ray until the price is very reasonable. And thanks to Scott and Miles for helping me think logically. Other than that... Okay, so let's, so let's talk a little bit about this. He's not going to get the next generation on Blu-ray. 
And, uh, you know, he thinks that we're intelligent and logical. We must I, be Vulcan, Miles. I, 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 that was very, uh, very kind of you to say, uh, Kalis. Yeah, yeah, uh, right, right. I bleed green. I bleed <laughs> green. Um, it's, 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 well, so take that, CBS. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, as far as the Blu-ray thing, I, I've heard, you know, that they do look great. There's some really good bonus footage on there. I was, was going to say, there's no doubt that if you do pick up these discs, they will look beautiful. Right. If you do not own the series and you want to own Next Generation so you can watch it whenever you want and you really don't want to stream it or you can't stream it where you're at, then by all means, skip the DVDs and buy the Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. But if you if you already own it, it's like, how many copies of Star Wars am I going to own? Yeah, ex- exactly. I mean, um, George Lucas... Double dipped on me for for for, for years, and um, yeah. I'm, I'm, you know I can't I can't do it anymore. Yeah, just wait till it comes out in 3D. I'm not getting it. Whatever, whatever the next um, smellovision. <laughs> yeah, whatever the next uh, format for 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 watching this is. But um, I, I suggest on a lark to go to Amazon, see how much they're selling um, the Blu-rays, and the starting price is seventy eight dollars eighty six cents. That there's used copies. Um, for like fifty four ninety nine, I think most of the time they're retailing at you know around one hundred hundred twenty dollars. Yeah. So you can get. I mean, the price has come down. If you look, if you if you if you shop around, you could probably get a better price than you say at Best Buy or someplace like that. Right. But but um, yeah, it's until the price comes down a lot, and I think eventually they'll the the. What they did on the Blu-rays will be available for streaming. You can watch yeah. what the, which, which they did on comfort of your own home on your right. own um, whatever streaming device you use for your TV. Absolutely. Well, let's finish out Kalis's voicemail here. I am enjoying, but I'm a little worried about the second mass in Falling Skies. It has been my experience that whenever Terry O'Quinn shows up on a show, trouble is never far behind. And never mind that Matt Frewer appearing as an Army's commanding officer has taken place. It would seem, though, that the Charleston Army has no stomach for a fight. There has to be some major cliffhanging coming down in the last episode of Falling Skies. In any case, I am predicting that the second mass won't be in Charleston for long. I am also revisiting Babylon 5, and I'm also reading and really enjoying Peter David's Star Trek Excalibur series of novels. I'm sure that Miles is familiar with this series, and I am liking the characters in Excalibur as well as the ongoing storylines. Well, there it is. I remain Kalis. Kapla! Thank you, Kalis, for writing in... Mm-hmm. And uh, he's right about Terry Quinn. When Terry Quinn comes on the show, it's never good. He's there to stir things up, and uh, he, he he definitely did on uh, Falling Skies. Well, he did in Lost. He did in the X-Files when he appeared. He was in the show Millennium, and he always stirred the pot there, and Hawaii Five-0. And in, in Star Trek Next Generation also. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I forgot that he was there. Yeah. Much younger, mm-hmm. Terry Quinn. But, you know... Certainly, uh, I can't wait to see the episode. I did not see the episode with a minute, mm-hmm. uh, but he's right. They do kind of are leaving Charleston. So, but um, Kalis, I know I've said this before, but um, you have a fantastic voice. Um, right. Somebody in Hollywood needs to hear you. Your voice. You, you. You should do voice work or something. We need to get him on again. We that, will. That too. We, will, we will do yeah. that. 
You, you will be on Kalos. You just don't know it yet. <laughs> Babylon 5. Um, you watched Babylon 5. I've watched, I watched. I haven't watched it from beginning to end, but maybe I should give that show a, a rewatch. I, I really should, too. Mm-hmm. I, really, I don't have time right now, but I should. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's reading Peter Davis' Excalibur? Yes, I've, I've, read, I've read the Excalibur novels, uh, enjoyed them. So I'm, I'm glad you're enjoying them, too, Kalos. Yeah. Well, very good. Well, so thanks, Kalos, for that. Um, also, Scott, uh, Cape Cod Scott, um, you know, wrote in. And uh, why don't uh, you read the first uh, two paragraphs and I'll read the last uh, sure. two. Okay. So, hi, Scott Miles. Just checking in during a long, busy summer here in Cape Cod. I haven't been in touch uh, for a while, but it doesn't mean I, I, I'm behind in podcast listening or watching sci-fi. Just yesterday, the wonderful... Wonderful signed picture of Michael Hogan arrived. Thank you so much for sending it along. Love what he, he wrote. Uh, Frack them all. Great yeah. fun. <laughs> uh, currently, my wife and I are enjoying the return of Grimm, Alphas, and Warehouse 13, and looking forward to the return of Fringe in September. Also greatly anticipating Revolution and Arrow this fall. Oh, yeah. Me too. Yeah, uh, me too. When when they come out? Uh, two non-sci-fi shows uh, were really into his leverage and perception. You know, he he didn't mention Grimm and Sasha Roy's from Caprica is, oh, yes. of course, the mainstay in Grimm. And <laughs> I watched the first episode of Grimm and haven't watched Beyond. I really do need to give that show more of a chance than I'm giving it. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Yeah, that's not, you're, just a, you're limited time. On the movie front, we're fortunate to live only a mile from one of the very few drive-in theaters. We, of course, you mentioned that before, in Massachusetts. So we've been four times ready this summer and are planning to see The Born Legacy. That's another movie I want to see. Me too. Yeah. Um, and um, the, 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 uh, the last week of August, like many others, uh, we back our SUV into the spot, sit outside listening to the sound of our car stereo. It's awesome, with a 100-foot screen filling your field of vision. So far, we've seen Avengers, loved it, with The Hunger Games as a second feature, too horrifying to enjoy for us. Men in Black 3, very good ending to the trilogy. Dark Knight, ditto, with Dark Shadow as the second feature, very much fun surprise when, after reading the reviews, Johnny Depp was great. And just this week, Total Recall, just okay, kind of jumbled, with a kid's movie, Ice Age, Continental Drift, as the opening feature. Half the drive emptied out after the kids' movie was over. <laughs> Anyways, just a quick note to catch up. Thank you both for giving us much for enjoying the, uh, so much for enjoyment all the time. So thanks again for sending Michael Hogan picture. And hey, Miles, good night and good luck. You too, Scott. Cape Cod Scott. So thanks for that uh, for that uh, the email that he wrote in. And um, I did see Men in Black three. I forgot that I saw that this summer, and yeah. uh, it says something. Born Legacy, I did want to see, and I will probably see Ice Age with Kiefer. Oh yeah, so um, yeah, I do. I do want to see Men in Black uh, three, and um, I'm jealous about the drive-in theater. Yeah, we used to have one in the area. Columbia, Columbia, we used to have one, and mm-hmm. it's gone. The last drive-in movie I saw was there, and it was um, Armageddon. I saw Jurassic Park three. Okay, and I I did see Armageddon there too. Okay, maybe was, maybe the Sight and Sound crew went that time. I don't know, but I remember mm-hmm. I remember watching Jurassic Park three and seeing the Velociraptors in the tall grass coming toward each other. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, it was <laughs> the biggest screen. It was awesome. We, we uh, I, well, don't get us started on a drive-in theater. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, anyways, thank you so much for writing in. We're glad that you're enjoying a little bit of Michael Hogan, and I too am looking forward to a Revolution and Arrow. When, oh, when me they, too. Uh, we really got to get the dates. Yeah, I th- September has to September be October probably. Yeah, yep. Those are things I will be buying and probably not being able to watch right away, but nonetheless, mm-hmm. still good, still good. Um, well, uh, we got another voicemail, and this voicemail came in from uh, from uh, from Colin, 
And so uh, let's go ahead and play what Colin is saying. This actually relates to a little bit of what Kalos was writing about. And it's off of a movie called Moon 44. Okay. Hi, well, it's Colin Miles. It's Colin from England. I just want to tell you a little thing. I had a nice little parcel the other week from uh, Kalos, and it was a DVD copy of Moon 44, which I have since watched. And I have to admit, it's been a while since I watched this film, but I enjoyed it. Yeah, the atmospherics were good, the dark, broody nature of the canyons. For those of you that can't remember, Moon 44 is uh, Malcolm McDowell's The Baddie, and they're on the moon in the far-flung reaches of the galaxy doing a mining operation. And basically the hotshot jockey helicopter pilots have to protect the mine um, because of the nature of the canyons and all that, and they can't actually see. They're guided by basically teenage hackers and it's the rivalry between the two and the corporation and, and so on and so forth. Malcolm McDowell is suitably bad, as Malcolm is wont to be. And um, it was, I, I enjoyed it. It was The only thing that dated it was the, the enemy fighters were flowing by robots. And the thing that dated them was the fact that the robots moved, as you would expect for a film made presumably 20 years ago. Where the years just fly by, and <laughs> but overall, I, I, I enjoyed the dark, brooding nature. The conflict between you know the hotshot pilots and the hackers was was good, and uh, there was quite a few people in it that you know continue to act even today. Um, but yeah, so nice. Thanks for it. I've already thanked Taylor's, but thanks again, mate, for sending it to me. I fully enjoyed watching it. Sat down with a beer and some popcorn and. Um, Lost myself in it for the time that it was on. So, there you go. Moon 44, courtesy of Kalis. Beer and popcorn movie, huh, Miles? <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. a great combination. Yeah. Thanks, Colin, for sending this in. Moon 44, I, I'm going to be honest, and maybe this is... I was listening to episode 14 where I didn't know what triples were. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm losing geek cred by not knowing what Moon 44 is, but it doesn't sound like that old of a movie. 20 years old? Yeah, well... well yeah, 22 years old. I, I Now that he brought this to my attention, I went on IMDb real quick, and I, and I did see this uh, when it came out on VHS. And he's right. It, it, it's a dark, grittier sci-fi movie. It's probably under under the, a lot of people's radar at the time. Um, but, uh, yeah, had, you know, a lot of um, a lot of big names in there. Uh, Dean Devlin starred in it, but he's now a big-time you know producer and director. I mean, he, he has uh, movies like Stargate and... Um, Independence Day to his credit. Oh, well, then of course. Yeah. So, so this was. Um, yeah, what year did it come out? Ninety. Ninety. Mm-hmm. That's not terribly old. It's a, well, it's, it's, to me, it's not terribly old. To, to us, it's not terribly old. I mean, yeah, to, to my high schoolers, they're like, "That's before I was born." Yeah. But, you know. So. <laughs> so. Well. Mm-hmm. I, I may have to check it out. You know, he recommends it. He was mm-hmm. a good popcorn movie. Maybe that's something new. I wonder if. it's I guess it's probably not streaming on Netflix. I didn't even check. Yeah, I don't know I'm how. Guessing, I'm guessing not, but yeah, you probably might be able to rent it on Amazon. But yeah, like I, I don't, like, I don't think, I don't remember this movie in, in theaters. I, 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 somehow, I suspect it was probably kind of a B movie, B ish movie, and it was probably not put out in a lot of movie theaters. It was po- mostly really straight to video. Hmm. That that. Because I, I I have no recollection of being theaters. At yeah, the time. me neither. Yeah, me neither. And I would have been going to theaters at the time. Oh, me so. too. Yeah, I would I would have been aware of it if it was but, out there. 
Well, uh, you know, so thanks for sending it in, and maybe that's one movie that we'll have to check out, maybe even rewind sometime. That could be. Oh, yeah, maybe, it, maybe it comes to rewind. Mm-hmm. You know? There's too many movies to rewind. So, uh, well, we, we, of course, just released Logan's Run, which is a movie we did rewind. And Larry Anderson called in and left his message. And so we're going to just go ahead and uh, share this with, with you. And these are his thoughts. And he, he gives an interesting thought to why everything kind of breaks down. Okay. So let's hear what he has to say. Hey, guys. Uh, this is Larry. I just listened to your Logan's Run rerun. And I really enjoyed it. I hadn't seen the movie in a long time, but it brought up some thoughts. Uh, when they talk about the time, they mention it's the year of the city, not the day. And could it be that they have been in that city for almost over two millenniums? Because you look at, like, Francis Seven, 30 years old. Seven iterations of him would be at least 210 years. And they look at some of the older parts of the city that, like, cathedral, it's all dilapidated, tore up. People have forgotten how to repair the machines that run the city. When they get behind the walls, the big aquariums are empty. Bach said the food, the protein, the plankton, the fish from the sea have stopped coming. Could it be that's why... The computer broke down so easily when Logan resisted because everything was just so old it was barely being able to maintain itself as it was. It was just a thought I had. Uh, really enjoyed the show. Uh, have a good night. Thank you. Bye. Larry, thanks so much for calling in and giving us your thoughts. Yeah, that's that's a good theory. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I, maybe I should read the book and... See if you know. Maybe that's what they had in mind. Whether that was the how many years the city, the city of domes, had been in existence. But he, he gave some good theories of why things are the way they are. Well, yeah, um, and and you know, if it is that long, it's no wonder stuff is is breaking down. Right, and give a good explanation. Maybe at, you know, was wondering the whole explanation why the box robot was was there to begin with. But if he was like a um, you know, if he served the city as far as you know, food and stuff, that kind of thing, that's that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Who mm-hmm. knows? Who knows? Right. But I think that's a. I think it's an excellent. I think it's an excellent uh, uh, thought, and I think that's certainly worthy of. Um, it makes sense mm-hmm. after all that long. I mean, and the way Washington looks, it could be two millennia. Although there might be more growth, I would think. It's uh-huh. well, you know, you you watch those, and this was before the, these shows came out. But you know, I think it came on the History Channel. Um, Life after man, what would happen after they showed the world? What would happen to our cities and um, suburbs? You know, if there was no if there was no people there to maintain it, what what the the situation of how, when the when, when how how soon it would take for like civilization, the physical right. parts of it to decay and after a few hundred years, it wouldn't take too long. No, it seems. No, so, if, if they were just if it was neglected like that, so. But he might be right. Two millennium, it might be certainly worth the idea mm-hmm. in there. So, for the rest of you listeners out there, if you want to chime in on Logan's run and what you thought about what we talked about, you can call us at one eight 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 five zero eight four three four three. 
So thanks, Larry, again for uh, calling in and giving us your thoughts, and we appreciate you listening. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, we mentioned Terry O'Quinn uh, a little bit later on, but he as being in Falling Skies, but he kind of admits the Lost Riders kind of dropped a few balls in the finale. And this, and uh, some of you, our listeners, kind of commented on this. And uh, um, Jason had just to say, he goes, I like the ending on several levels. I didn't mind all the loose ends weren't neatly tied, left something to the imagination. Plus, many explanations were and are to be found in additional web materials and like for those who desire to find them. Hmm. And what did uh, uh, Pippi, I guess, uh, say? Um, he, he said, uh, Lost must have done something right since we we're still talking about it more than two years after the finale. <laughs> True. But yeah. So you know, Any series that gets a lot of discussion going on, mm-hmm. you know. So he, he says, uh, I love the show and honestly don't care if every question was answered. Yeah, yeah. Well, we also put up on our Facebook page that ABC is developing a steampunk adventures of Tom Sawyer and Huck- Huckleberry Finn. Mm-hmm. Miles, I got to tell you, I knew that steampunks kind of become somewhat mainstream when our newspaper, Lancaster Newspapers, featured a section on steampunk. I did see that article, yes. I could not. I was like, you got to be kidding me. I remember seeing this at sci-fi convention saying, oh, this is just kind of a small thing. But it's become pop culture. It, right. I think it, it, it probably has a – a run for a while before it'll uh, you know be mainstream, but it's or lose steam. Yeah, pun, yeah. No, no pun in, pun intended. Yeah. Um, but anyways, ABC is developing a steampunk adventures of Tom Sawyer and Huckleberry Finn, and here's what they uh, here's what you guys were saying about it. Tim Darling said, eh, maybe I'd probably rather see the original characters, but it could work. And uh, 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 Pippi Seven Gino said, I would at least to watch the first episode to see what it was like. And Jason said, it might work. Investigation series are taking off right now. I'm thinking like Sherlock and some of those. Oh, yeah. Taking, yeah, so. Yeah. And you you posted this picture of Summer Glau. Right. I mean, I, first I just thought, this is just a nice picture of Summer Glau with a shotgun. Yeah, and, uh, and, and hunting fox execs because we dog and fox all the time. Absolutely, and we're going to continue to do so. But um, it, it actually generated um, a bit of discussion. Yeah. And then uh, – so you, you, you had mentioned um, – Yeah, I kind of razzed you about it. I said, seriously, Miles, what have Fox Insect ever done to you? I mean, I know. I know. Cancel Dollhouse, Terminator, and Firefly. But the battle for Serenity Valley is over, man. What you going to do? Walk into a bar, look all shiny, and kick some arse? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but people really got behind oh, it. Oh, yeah. Uh, 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 Lee. Uh, uh, Lee says, same here about Fringe. They did the, the right thing. Yeah. Um, Jen M said, "Don't forget about Terra Nova." Fox also canceled. Kind of like that, and me too. I kind of like that. Show. We, but we do. Justin Stahl says, "As long as you don't cancel Community." Oh, what? Right. I don't trust NBC either, <laughs> and, and network, any network really. I, I'm slowly uh, retreating to the vibrant world of cable serial dramas. Just me and, and Raylan Givens and the crew of a Plant, Plant Express. And those people that always go on about winter's imminent return. Oh, yeah. So Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Jen M said, I'm looking forward to Revolution on NBC. Hopefully that will be good. Mm-hmm. And um, I, this is sort of paraphrase, my, my paraphrase of uh, what, what Mal said to the yeah. operative. He is, well, maybe we were on the losing side. Not sure it was the wrong one, though. Yeah. You might be in brown coat if. You can quote Serenity. So, um, but thanks for that. Uh, one other comment here before we exit, and um, and um, 
and uh, exit and close up the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is uh, Dina, I believe it, Dina said, uh, Dina T said, I want to thank you for the great information on your podcast. I have been a sci-fi fan, but never got into reading books. I heard the episode where Nathan Lowe and the Trader Tales, and now I'm hooked on his books. I've also started watching The Middleman and enjoying it. Thank you for opening up the galaxy of options to us. Peace and long life. So you're welcome, Dina, and we love Nathan Lowell. I have you listened to any of the quarter shares things? Uh, I haven't had you. Slap, 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 yeah, slap, yeah, slap, slap. But no, um, great. And once you get into them, they're addicting. Mm-hmm. I, I just love Nathan Lowell. Love you, Nathan Lowell. And uh, and Dina, we're glad that we can like, kind of turn you on to him. So I believe that that is about it. This has been a long feedback show. We're we're clocking near an hour here. Oh wow! So a lot of good feedback. Thank you, everyone, for your contributions to this feedback show. And um, if you want to comment on anything that we're talking on or you want to chime in with some new thoughts about series that you're looking forward to, um, what show you're going to be watching this fall, let us know. You can mm-hmm. do that by calling in at one 888 3443 Send us an MP3 file uh, through sci fi com. If you don't like the sound of your voice, you can email it to us. Or just contribute to the Facebook page. There's right? many ways to get a hold of us. Many ways to get a hold of us, and you can find us. So I believe that's about it. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Miles, let's turn off the lights, clean up the table, and everything else. Okay, well, till next time, good night and good luck. Hey, yeah, and we're going to leave you with this song about the uh, Mars Curiosity rover. So uh, enjoy. <laughs> Winner EDL, time for seven minutes of flame and hell. Rivers touching down, everybody pass peanuts around. Yeah, we have measure control. Getting full use out of every soul. What? Just 25 feet left to go. It's curiosity, look out below, yo. Try and lower that rover. Try and lower that rover. Try and lower that rover. Nanette in the bug cow. Try and lower that rover. Try and lower that rover. Try and lower that rover. Nanette in the bug cow. Kicking at my console, this is what I see. Okay. Data streaming back from curiosity. I got stars on my hawk, and I ain't afraid to show it, show it, show it, show it. We're NASA and we know it. We're NASA and we know it. Yo, we're gonna look for ice, gotta calibrate, gotta be precise. And when I raise the mess, panoramic views are unsurpassed. This is how I rove, baking red rocks in my nuclear stove. We headed to the peak with my laser eye, no one to bury me when it's time to die. Try and lower that rover. Try and lower that rover. Try and lower that rover. Nanette in the bug cow. Try and lower that rover. Try and lower that rover. Try and lower that rover. Nanette in the bug cow. Shout out to Carl the Sane and Neil the Grassy. Shout out to JPL and the Rocker Bogey. We're better than SpaceX and we ain't afraid to show it. Show it, show it, show it. We're NASA and we know it. We're NASA and we know it.